If you're a king, you wouldn't be afraid of anything? Not nobody. Not know-how. Not even a rhinoceros? Impossorous. How about a hippopotamus? Why, I'd trash him from top to bottom. Supposing you met an elephant? I'd wrap him up in cellophane. What if it were a brontosaurus? I'd show him who was king of the forest. How? How? Courage. What makes a king out of a slave? Courage. What makes the flag on the mast away? What makes the elephant charge his tusk in the misty mist or the dusky dusk? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. What makes the sphinx the seventh wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? Courage. What makes the hot and top so hot? What puts the ape in apricot? What do they got that I ain't got? Courage. You could say that again. I didn't listen to something she told me or something. I mean, I liked her. It's like you embarrass yourself if you say something. And you embarrass yourself if you don't. I like it when you talk. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Now, hang on. So, okay. Stop. She was right there. This is the moment where both of you became a possibility. I love that you're telling stories again. This is the story before the story. This is where you and you begin. Because this is where I met your mom. She was sitting right there in that chair. Hang on. Hey, hey. so I was walking by. And I saw, and I literally stopped like this, just stopped and went, oh my God, that is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my entire life. But I've never done anything like this. I'd never gone and talked to a total stranger before, but she was right there. And so I thought to myself, 20 seconds, right? Go. Now I'm in the restaurant, and I'm terrified, thinking about leaving. I can actually touch her. She's right there. She still hasn't seen me, and I still have 15 seconds of courage left. I'm going for it. Bravery. Here's what I said. I said, excuse me. Why would an amazing woman like you even talk to someone like me?
Wait. I respect what you said, but remember that these men have lands and castles. It's much to risk. And the common man that bleeds on the battlefield, does he risk less? No. But from top to bottom, this country has got no sense of itself. Its uh, nobles share allegiance with England. Its clans war with each other. Right. Right. If you make enemies on both sides of the border, you'll end up dead. We all end up dead. It's just a question of how and uh, why. I'm not a coward. I want what you want, but we need the nobles. We need them. Nobles. <laughs> now tell me, what does that mean to be noble? Your title gives you claim to the throne of our country. But men don't follow titles. They follow courage. Now our people know you. Noble and common, they respect you. And if you would just lead them to freedom, they'd follow you. And so would I. Good morning. Have you ever had 20 seconds of insane courage? Now, I'm not talking about back in your BC days when you had a few, okay, and uh, you let your guard down. I remember some of those moments. I'm talking about 20 seconds of insane noble courage. In fact, did you ever in your life really displayed a, a moment to where, uh, where God would take notice, where the Lord would take notice, that is courage. That is boldness. Mark Rutland in his book wrote this. He says, courage is the first and greatest element of character. We've been in a series called Noble Character, the key to true success, and we've been hitting on, on subjects like diligence, integrity, and honesty, and loyalty. And basically, he comes down to this, and he makes this statement. He says, courage, it's the first and greatest commandment of all the characters. He says, but it takes courage to activate all of those virtues. So just merely knowing about honesty, and integrity, and faithfulness, and loyalty, and those things is not enough. You must have courage on the inside to act upon that. And I believe if there's ever a time that courage is needed in this country and in homes and in churches, the courage is right now. In our government leaders, it's, lead, it's needed. In the church, amongst the pastors, in the pulpit, it's needed. It's needed in the homes, amongst parents, and in the, and in the church. And without courage, we know this. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. You can't be in just in one place. And as an individual and as a church and as a country, we're either going forward or we're going backwards. Courage will thrust you forward to go ahead and to reach the ground that God has laid before you. The opposite is also is true. Fear will paralyze you, immobilize you, and keep you from your potential and reaching your promised land. There was a man who had big shoes to fill. His name was Moses. And God speaks to a man by the name of Joshua. And Joshua is going to take the people of Israel who have been circling around for over 40 years. There's a new generation that's going to rise up. And Joshua receives some words from the Lord. And he says, Joshua, you're going to go into the promised land. And by the way, going into the promised land and possessing the promised land would be no cakewalk. It would be filled with challenges. And here are the words to the leader of this, of this nation. Here in Joshua chapter 1, you can follow with me, along with me on the screen. It says, be strong, Joshua, and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law and my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful 
wherever you go. There's no doubt that success is tied to obedience. Then he goes on down to verse 9. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Down to verse 18. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. You see the theme obviously going there about being strong in the Lord and very courageous. Here was the leader that would take millions of people into the promised land, and it would take courage, it would take obedience, and it would take strength to do that. But what about us? What does the word have to say to us when it comes to the area of courage and boldness? I want you to look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul is writing the letter, and he's wrapping up the letter. He's coming to the end of the letter, and and he sums it up, and he's coming here in verse 13, and he says to the people, to the believers in the church, and he says, my brothers and sisters, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. We live in days where we need God's strength. Not only do they need it, but we need it as well. Not only do we need God's strength, but God wants you and I to be courageous, to be bold, to be strong in Him. We're to be on our guard. Now, I want you to look at this word here, courageous, in the Hebrew. The Hebrew, it's pronounced all mats. It means to be determined or strong, okay? To be determined or strong. In the Greek, it's andrizio. It means to act. It's very fascinating. It means to act as a man. It means to be brave. God is wanting you and I to be brave in the most, no matter what circumstances may come our way, to be strong in him and to be brave through him. Now, I want you to hear this word comes from Mark Rutland, Character Matters, and I love his definition of what courage is. He says, courage is the willingness to deny my own flesh and do what is right and noble regardless of the cost. Let me just say that again. Courage is the willingness to deny my own flesh and to do what is right and noble regardless of the cost. We know this, that integrity and honesty will cost you, but to be able to do that, we must have courage. And this morning, I want to go ahead. I've got a number of things as I was just thinking about this topic about courage, and we're talking about uh, that better is uh, a good name, okay, a good reputation than silver or gold. Proverbs 22.1, we're talking about noble character, and courage is definitely there at the top of the list. And, and I want to look at four things that courage does, that, that happens in a person's life. Number one, courage confronts. Courage confronts. And, and, uh, and, and for the most part, I would say most people are non-confrontational. They would rather not get in a tussle, would not rather get into an argument, would not ra- rather go ahead and oppose someone. But I want to take you to a scripture in Matthew chapter 14. Okay, this is John the Baptist, the one that thundered, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here it says, now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Now you got to remember, who was Herod? This guy was a ruler. This guy was in charge. Okay, he had a lot of authority. He had a lot of power, okay? This guy was one of the top dogs right there. And it says, For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. So here Herod was in an adulterous relationship with his brother's wife. And John confronts him, and he says, What you're doing is wrong. This is adultery. This is sin, okay? And, and what did it do? It landed him in jail. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 says this, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. There are times in our lives, 
to where we are, are we're, we're, we're rubbing shoulders with people, with our own kids, our husband, our wife, whoever it may, it may be a brother, fellow brother or sister, to where they must be confronted out of love because there's a blind spot, there's something wrong going on in our life. And a lot of times people justify their, their coward spirit, they won't confront because they're really afraid. And they'll, they'll hide behind the excuse, well, it's not my job to go ahead and judge. Who am I to judge? And, and, and basically they use the, misuse uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6 where the Bible says do not judge. And what Jesus is talking about is that we don't have the room to judge. He's talking about the attitude of judging, that we're not to be arrogant in our way that we do that. There's times that God calls us to get in people's faces, okay, not out of arrogance, but out of love. God calls us to do this. Peter Cartwright was a traveling preacher back in the 1800s for the Methodist Church, and he was at a large church, and uh, their president, Andrew Jackson, was there in the audience. And there were a couple people that came up to Cartwright, Peter Cartwright, before the service, and they told him, make sure that you kind of tone it down a little bit. The president is here this morning, okay? And, and don't say anything too confrontational. And uh, so he gets up there in the pulpit. He says, I understand that the president is here today, and I've been told to go ahead and tone down my comments. He says, you go ahead and tell President, okay, Andrew Jackson, that if he does not repent, he will go to hell. So courage confronts. Also, courage covers. Courage covers. Great story, a sad story, but a heroic story of courage. Back in the concentration camps in 1941, there was a Catholic priest by the name of Maximilian Kolb uh, was found there in one of the prisons there simply just because of his faith. And one day, a prisoner had escaped from the camp and, uh, and uh, out of his particular bar- barracks where he was staying at, and they pulled out all the men out of the barracks, and they were forced to stand outside. It was a very hot day with no food and no water. And by the end of the day, they had been looking for this prisoner and wasn't found. And so the consequences, if someone ran away, and they were successful for it, okay, Others, okay, would pay a steep price, okay? They had, these, they had these cells, they called them starvation cells or bunkers, okay? And they would put these prisoners into these bunkers and, and they would be locked up and they would just literally starve them to death. And so they, the, the commandant uh, picked 10 guys that were going to go in and, and basically just waste away and die a horrible, gruesome death through starvation and thirst. And one of the guys that, that was picked, he was a sergeant, uh, had been a sergeant in the army, and he was a younger man, had a wife and kids, and he was begging. He says, please. He says, if I die, he says, I'm afraid of what was going to happen to my wife and to my children. And Maximilian Kolb okay, stepped forward, and the commandant looked at him. He says, can I help you? And he says, yes. He says, this man has a wife and a children. I'm a Catholic priest from Poland. I want to go ahead and take his place. And the commandant was absolutely stunned. And so the other man stepped backwards, and he went ahead forward, and, and these 10 guys went into this, to this holding facility. And the prisoners, I mean, I, I mean the place, it, was, it was a place of absolute horror, screaming, and, and the prisoners as well as the uh, the guards had become used to the sounds. And when they went into this place, all they heard right there at that point, they began to hear singing and worship songs and hymns to God and prayers. And here they are. They're there for two weeks. And out of, out of those two weeks, six of the guys had perished. And Maximilian Cole, by that time, at two weeks, was so weak, was, was, was just absolutely at his very wits end, was just whispering prayers to God. And there they wanted to bring in fresh guys to go ahead and starve them to death. They gave them a lethal injection, and thus his life was gone. What does courage do? Real courage do. Courage covers. Number three, courage lives out of conviction. This is huge. Courage 
believes that there is a God. Courage believes that God's word and God's way is the truth and the life. Courage believes that this is the way that we come to know the Lord. Courage believes that God is good, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Courage believes that God protect, protects, provides, and ultimately makes things right in an unjust and evil world. At the end, when, 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 the, when the, the accounts are settled, God's going to take care of business. And because of that, therefore, they live a life out of a conviction and they will do what is right and they will do what is noble. This past week, landmark ruling in the Supreme Court, for those who maybe not heard of this, there was a court case, Hobby Lobby, a huge business here in the United States run by uh, the owners are Christians who love God. Uh, run their business based upon godly principles. They close their store on Sundays. And, uh, they pay their workers well, give them insurance, and uh, they respect them. They even let them go home a little bit early so they can go ahead and be with their family. Well, for those who have not heard about this, but through Obamacare, okay, uh, what, what, what's happening is that Obamacare is forcing businesses, okay, that when you provide insurance, you have to go ahead and provide certain measures that go ahead and protect a woman's right, reproductive rights. And basically, there was the, these birth control measures. Well, there's one of these birth control measures. It's called the morning after pill. Okay, you take this if you've been, if you suspect that, that you've had sex and you're fertile at that time, you can go ahead and take this pill and basically uh, the, the process of the, the egg and the spur coming together, it's done with. They believe that life starts at, when, when, when the egg and the sperm come together at conception right there. It begins right there, and they say, you know what? We're not going to go ahead and do this. We're not going to provide for this. And what was going to happen for them if they didn't provide insurance for this, they would receive a fine for $1.2 million a day. And so they made a decision that, that, that they weren't going to do this. In fact, they went so far as to say, listen, if this ruling comes against us, we're going to go ahead and close our doors. If that means that we lose our profit and all this, so be it. But we will not go against the conviction of God who is the giver of life. We are not going to snuff it out. So courage lives out of conviction. Courage covers. And number four, courage generates courage. Courage generates courage. This is one of the reasons why I, I am praying here today that God would fill us with his spirit and fill us with his boldness and his courage. How many know the story of David and Goliath? Everybody heard the story? Come on, raise your hand if you heard the story of David and Goliath. You know the story well. But I was studying the story and I was looking at, at the story and I had been reading it in the last couple of weeks a couple of times. And, and here the Philistines and the Israelites were going to be in a battle against each other. And then you, would, then you knew that David, okay, uh, came into the scene, but Goliath was there first to hand. And it says that they were in, in two different directions, okay, and that the battle between David and Goliath happened in a valley, okay? And on one side, here's the Philistines, and here's the Israelites. But you would have to go ahead, if you were to charge, you would have to go up a hill, and if you were to go up a hill, you were at a strong disadvantage, and so it said that the Israelites, Saul and the Israelites were afraid and dismayed, not only just because of Goliath, but because of, a, of the circumstances that was going on. But I want you to hear what happened after David had killed Goliath and then cut off his head. I want you to see here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 52, which has been missed a lot of times. It says, then, after this heroic act, by a teenager, a young man, it says, Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines. Prior to that, they had been living a scared, frightful time. But it says they had found courage in God. Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bible, turn with me right there. Here is Paul, the apostle. He is in a prison cell. It's not, it's not a nice place. It's not a fun place. He had been beaten before he had, had went to this prison cell. And he says here in verse 12, chapter 1, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being in jail, being persecuted, being beaten, has actually served 
to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. They weren't able to do that until Paul had courage in and of himself. I love what the Amplified Bible says here in verse 14. It says, And most of the brethren have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my chains and are much more bold to speak and publish fearlessly the word of God, acting with more freedom and indifference to the consequences. What happens when, when leaders, and not just leaders, but when people, okay, just average people, live in courage, live in boldness. It instills confidence and boldness in others. Now, the question is here this morning is how can you and I walk in more boldness and courage? We know what it does, but how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where, where I'm really bold, I'm really courage. And by the way, there's a difference between boldness and courage, and we're going to talk about that here in a few moments. Number one, and it was just, they they didn't know this, but I love what was happening through our song service today. And we were singing about this. Believe, here it is, that God is with you and that he will not fail you. Can I ask you that question? Do you believe that God is with you and will not fail you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you're working a business deal? When you're in school, when you're at the workplace? We're not talking about just in a church service, okay? He's not just here, but God wants to be out there as well. The Bible says he dwells inside of us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, okay? Go back with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, have I not commanded you? Man, I mean, I... Obviously, Joshua was a man of great character. I mean, he rose to the top because of his courage and boldness. But God is bringing this word to him. He's having a re- I mean, say it four different times. So obviously there was something going on that he was afraid. I'm going to be the next leader. I'm going to be the one that takes over a million people into the promised land, okay? That, that's a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility, under hostile circumstances, it's, it's not going to be fun. And he says to him, he says, he says, I know it's going to be tough. He says, but have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? Here it is. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's something that happens inside of us when we know someone has our back. There's something that happens really big time in us when we know with certainty there's, there's a confidence inside of us. I can go ahead and step forward. I can be honest. I can be a person of integrity. I can go ahead and share my faith. I can do this because why? Because I know that God is with me. Our, uh, our oldest boy that we adopted, Samuel, uh, a couple different times uh, when he was in the yard or in the house uh, had just absolutely freaked out. Uh, no one was around, and he's looking and, and, and just kind of went panicked, you know, you know and, although someone was there, uh, where he was looking or where he, when he stepped into the living room or whatever, uh, no one was there. And then my wife, June, told them, she said, Samuel, listen to me. Listen, listen, okay. I promise you, we will never leave you. If you are home, someone will be here, I promise you. So what you need to do is you, when you don't see anybody, is to go ahead and maybe go ahead and start to look in other rooms. Well, just last week, uh, the kids, uh, the older ones had left, and uh, uh, Josiah was gone, the, his youngest brother, and it was just June and, and him. And June was in the bathroom, and he had been out there in, in, by the pool and, and came in and opened up the, the sliding door, and, and he's looking around, and he says, I don't see anyone. I guess I got to go ahead and try to find someone. He's, talk, he's having a conversation. Uh, someone's here. So here he's having this, con- he's replaying what he's, what he's heard from his mom. He says, someone's here. 
And it was out of that that kept and helped him keep his mind. And here's something that we need to go ahead and say to ourselves. In the midst of fear, okay, in the midst of when things seem like no one's around, God doesn't even seem to be here, we need to bank on Joshua 1.9 that God will never leave us or forsake us. He's with us all the time. And I know this, when, when, I've got, when I know that someone has my back, I'm ready to go for it. Number one, understand that God is with us. Number two, this is huge. Choose to put your fear in God and not man. This is huge. This is big. I made a decision when I became a follower of Christ that I would be a follower of God first and not a follower of man. But understand this, it has not been easy. And there have been many a times to where uh, in circumstances, at workplaces, even here and as a pastor, and, and feeling the weight of what people may think of you and how they perceive you, all of a sudden it's very easy to fall uh, into this place to where we fear man's opinion more than we fear God's opinion of us. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And a lot of people say, well, I really don't fear, man. I, I, would, I would really challenge you to, to really say, is that true? Am, am, I, am I a person that really doesn't care what people think as, as, as much as what God thinks? I want you to write this down. Fear of God is a good thing. Now, you, you hear, you, you're out there in the hallway, you see a purpose statement is, is to, to, I mean, to, with everything inside of us, to extravagantly love Jesus, okay, and to selflessly love people. And what does that have to do with fear? Can I just tell you, there's two things in our relationship with God. We're not only to love God with everything that we have, but the Bible talks about that we're to fear Him. In fact, I want to give you an assignment, in fact, this week. I want to encourage you to go to the book of Proverbs. And I want you to see there, if you would just take a moment, it's one of my favorite books, just go through the book of Proverbs, and I want you to see how often it's mentioned about the fear of the Lord and, and, and the importance of having the fear of God in your life. And when I want to ask you this question, do you fear God? Do you have a healthy fear of the Lord? David said this in Psalm 34. He said this in Psalm 34. He says, Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. If a man fears, some man wrote this, he says, If a man fears the wrong thing, man's opinion, he will probably not fear the right thing, God. If he has the proper fear of the Lord, he will not... He will not have the fear of the wrong thing. Is your ultimate fear? Is it the fear of God? What lesser fear can make you disobey or deny his name? In the last days, the Bible talks about that where people's hearts will grow cold uh, because of the increase of wickedness. People will be afraid. But I'm praying this. I ask this in my life. God, teach me what it means to fear you. And I want you to go here this morning, here this morning. We're going to take a look. What does it really take to walk in the fear, fear of the Lord and, and to walk in courage and boldness? One of the distinguishing marks of the early church was when you read the book of Acts. I also want to encourage you to read Acts as well as the book of Proverbs. I want you to see how bold and courageous they were. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, I want you to see what happened when they went to a prayer meeting. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. There was something literally physical that happened. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I want you to see this. After they, who is they? This was the leadership. These were, these were the apostles but not only the apostles, this is the lay people. These were the people who came to know Jesus, who surrendered their life to God. So there was a, there was a, a number of people. 
they got together, they prayed, and it says the place that where they mean it was shaken, and it says not just the leaders, but all the people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God boldly. Now, a lot of times we kind of just pass it off. Well, these are the people that were the professionals. These were the people who were the leaders. Therefore, we would expect them to go ahead and walk in boldness and courage and faith and all those things. But I want you to understand it was all the people that were walking in boldness. And I want you to see this word boldness, okay? In the Greek, it means this, outspokenness in speech. It means to be assured, confident. It means to be public. Here it is. It means to act without fear. Courage, on the other hand, means that there's probably fear that's going on inside of a person. But even though in spite of fear that may be going on, that person confronts their fear or whatever, and they go through it anyways. Boldness, on the other hand, says, you know what? I'm confident. I'm going to go ahead. I'm acting without fear. Now, I want you to know right here, this last part, this is what I've been praying for Calvary. This is what I'm praying for you. When it comes to sharing your faith, which uh, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage here at Calvary Church is, but I know in the church in America, evangelical church, the amount of people who share their faith on a regular basis, it's dismal. And the number one reason, folks, is this. People are afraid to share their faith, afraid to go ahead and go public for Jesus, okay? These are people that have been intimidated or whatever, afraid of what what people may do to them, uh, rejection, whatever it is. But boldness, the early church, okay, they were filled with boldness. They were acting without fear. Now, this is my prayer for you. And uh, this was, in fact, uh, this boldness, this was Peter, the apostle, uh, a man just filled with the Holy Spirit, a, a, a man that was absolutely fearless. But can I tell you, it didn't start off that way with him. Here, it, when Jesus was coming to the end of his life, there in the upper room, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I want to let you know, he says, all of you guys that are here in this room, you're going to go ahead and abandon me in my greatest hour of need. And Peter boldly goes ahead. He says, Lord, even if all of these guys that are sitting around you go ahead and run away from you, Jesus, I'm ready to go not only with you, but I'm ready to go ahead and die for you and with you. And then, and then Jesus said, looks at him right now. He says, Peter, i got to tell you something. You're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, that's not going to happen. Well, it wasn't just hours later. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the soldiers and the, the religious leaders come for Jesus, and, and everybody scatters, including Peter. But Peter is following Jesus from a distance, and there he is. He's in the courtyard, and the Bible is very descriptive. Uh, I mean, it, it just nailed. This is why I know the Bible's true. I mean, I mean, it, it paints the true picture of humanity. I mean, not only the, the great things and the heroic things that they did, but the areas where they failed in. And it says there that, that there was a girl, uh, in fact, it was a, a servant girl that went up to Peter and says, you're one of his disciples. And he, I mean, right there to this girl, he says, no, I'm not one of his. I mean, literally, it was a servant girl that, that humbled him that day. But it didn't stay that way. Here we know that he denied Jesus three times. He was ashamed. He wept and he cried over that. But Jesus comes back to life again. The resurrection changes everything. He faces Peter. And, and then Jesus goes away. And, 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 and Peter and, and 120 people are in, 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 in having a, a prayer session, a prayer room. And it was the day of Pentecost, we know this, that they had been praying. They had no idea what was going to happen. But on the day of Pentecost, it said the Holy Spirit descended upon them, came upon, and then they began to speak in other tongues. And then, then Peter, okay, as people are gathering around, Peter preaches this sermon to the same crowd that yelled, crucify him. Preaches this, this dynamic, I mean, powerful sermon. Repent, turn to God. You guys are the one that put Jesus on the tree. 
and 3,000 people come uh, to know Jesus Christ back there at that time. Then in Acts chapter 3 and verse 4, we know that Peter is going to the temple to pray. And there is a guy that's, that's an invalid. He's, he can't walk, and, and he's begging for money. And, and, and Peter says to him, he says, silver or gold have I none, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, get up, rise, and walk. And this guy is, is, is running around praising Jesus. Peter goes ahead, he preaches. Then there's another 5,000 people that come to know the Lord. And uh, all of a sudden, there is an uproar that's going on. The religious leaders are, 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 are coming onto the scene, and they're in trouble. And, uh, and they've been jailed. And I want you to see, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. They're going to face the big guns, okay, the Pharisees. And it says here, after this event, it says they have Peter and John brought before them and began to question, and by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this. Okay, listen to the, to the guys. These were the leaders. Then know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are the one who crucified, but God raised him from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Here he is. He's pointing his finger at the religious leaders. He says, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Down to verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Here it is. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Have you ever noticed you can talk about religion, you can talk about spiritual things. In fact, you can even talk about God and people will go ahead and, and, and kind of chime in or whatever. I mean, Oprah, you talk about, you know, spiritual things, talk about God. But when you get specific and you start talking about Jesus, that's when the atmosphere changes. That's when, when, when people are saying, wait a second, are you saying that Jesus is the only way? That's, that's when, 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 when the temperature begins to rise there in the room, so to speak. Right now, uh, in our, our, our chaplains that are in the military, many of them a lot of times are not allowed to go ahead and preach and speak in the name of Jesus. You can go ahead and talk about God all you want, but when you want to go ahead and get narrow and bring it down to Jesus... That's when controversy begins to, to, to erupt. But I want you to look here. Go with me to verse 13. I want you to see this from the New Living Translation. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I want to take you three quick things. Three bold facts. That relates to you and me. Three bold facts right here in verse 13. Number one, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Here's the excuse that we use. Here's what we fall back on. People are afraid to, to share their faith because they feel like they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. I haven't had the, edu the education. I don't know the scriptures really that much. And therefore, because I don't know much, I can't say much. But I want to say to you, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. These guys were not schooled in the scriptures, okay? I want to just tell you this. Learn your Bible. Read your Bible, memorize it, God will use it. But understand this, God will just use ordinary people to go ahead and bring forth his good news. Number two, your boldness will amaze the world. Trust me when I say this. People don't respect cowards, but they do respect people of courage. They looked at Peter and John, recognized that these guys really didn't have an education in the scriptures, the knowledge right there, but they recognized them. 
oh my goodness, we have the power to go ahead and, and, and pull the trigger, so to speak, and put these guys to death. But it was their boldness that absolutely amazed the leadership at that time. And number three, boldness comes from knowing, here it is, from knowing Christ and being daily filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness comes from knowing Christ and being daily filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you go down with me to Acts chapter 4. Here they had stood before the religious leaders. They had been told by the religious leaders, don't you speak any more in the name of Jesus anymore. But they got together here in verse 23, and they prayed, and it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Something powerful happens when you come together in prayer. And they said, Sovereign Lord, okay, you've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And so they prayed this prayer, and then go down to verse 31. It says, After they prayed, the place where they meeting they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want you to write this down, by the way. Boldness and courage is not our goal. Knowing Jesus and being filled with his spirit is the goal. I will tell you this. If you really know Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the byproduct of being with Jesus and knowing Jesus and being filled and baptized in his Holy Spirit will be boldness. It will be courage. Okay, I want you to see something right here. Time with Jesus. When you and I are in his presence, not just on a Sunday morning, when we wake up on a Monday and, and, uh, and a Tuesday, we start our days off or we end our days or we're spending our time in the afternoons, taking our lunchtime, our lunch break, and we're reading our Bible, we're praying. It's that time with Jesus, okay, where we're, we're in relationship, we're talking to him, we're listening to him, we're, we're reading his word. Here's what happens. It brings faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Reading God's word, okay? And when faith comes, all of a sudden something begins to rise. Boldness comes on the inside. I can do this with God because why? I know he's with me. And when boldness and we walk out and we step out onto the water and we begin to go ahead, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to go ahead and lead. I'm going to, I'm going to live a life out of conviction. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me, but I'm going to do what's right. Then that's the place where we get results. And then when we get results, it's, it brings us right back to Jesus again. It says, I want to spend time with my best friend. I want to spend time with my heavenly father. I want to get to know him. And it's this circle of, of knowing Jesus. But my, my problem is because there's so much uh, apathy and unbelief and fear that's in the church for people sharing their faith. I am wondering if this is probably the number one reason why people don't share their faith is because, and they're weak and they're not strong is because their time with Jesus is very little. I, I, I am absolutely convinced. You, if, if you're spending time with him and in his word and worshiping him, giving thanks, and, 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 and you live a surrendered life with him, it, it's impossible for, for his character not to rub off on you. That's the byproduct. When you're spending time with Jesus, he wasn't a person of fear. He was a person of love, a person of ultimate courage, and a person of ultimate boldness. When we spend time with Jesus, filled with his spirit, faith comes, boldness, and then results. When I was laying in bed, uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And a couple more thoughts, and I, and I, and I just, these are not your notes, just two more things. I got to share this with you. I, I just felt the Holy Spirit just to bring this to your brothers and sisters. There's two reasons why you and I need this. And by the way, please don't use this ex excuse. I'm an introvert. Because I'm an introvert, I don't need to have courage. Yes, you do. 
you're an extrovert, you still need courage, okay? You can be an extrovert and still be a, a coward. God does not want his people being cur- I mean, cowards. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be strong in him, mighty in him, okay? Strong here. Two things. Number one, write this down. You want to be, you want to be a person of courage, number one, for yourself. I want to take you to a very important scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. This is for your own soul. Why courage and boldness is is very important. I want you to see here the circumstances when you read the book of Hebrews. uh, There's a lot of theology here, but there was something that was going on in, in this book. We don't know who the writer of the book was, but what we do know what was happening, the context, the circumstances, the brothers and sisters, many of them were going through a very difficult time, were going through persecution, they were being beaten, they had lost food, uh, they were losing land, all kinds of things. And there have been a number of people, okay, who shrunk back, okay, turned their back on God, okay. And by the way, I don't believe God, how many believes that God never turns his back on us? Does anybody believe that? Okay. I mean, as we walk, but how many know that we can turn our back on God? We can make that choice. There's a big difference, okay? And he says this. He's writing to them. He's encouraging them. He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. He says, go back to the time when you got saved, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so, so treated, you suffered along with those in prison. People were going to prison for their faith and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. This is what it was costing them to be a follower of Christ. You guys willing to do this? Because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possessions. It's talking about heaven. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Okay? You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Amen? For in just a little while, he was coming, will come, and he will not delay. How then can they call on the one? Hold on, we're not going to that scripture. That's, that's next, okay? Number one, we hang in there. We've we got to be people of courage. Heaven forbid you and I would ever turn our backs in a public setting. Are you a Christian? Are you one of those Jesus freaks? No, I'm not one of those. Why not? Heaven forbid. Jesus talks about this. Anybody that turns their back and is ashamed of him and his words. The Bible talks of Jesus. God's, for our own soul, you and I need courage. Number two, it's for other people. If there was ever a time that courage is needed, it's needed in this culture for our kids, for our nation. Okay, I want you to go with me. Here, write this down. Not only for your soul, but for other souls. Romans 10, 14. Here it is. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Listen. The number one reason the gospel is not being preached is outside the church by God's people is because of fear. How are they going to hear outside of these walls unless God's people, the pastors and leadership rise up together and say, you know what? We're going to become public for Jesus. People will not know the good news unless we open our mouth. That means that you and I are willing to accept the consequences, willing to be ridiculed, willing to go ahead and maybe lose a job promotion, whoever, we don't know what it is, but we're going to trust in God. We know that God is good at the end of the day. At the end of the day, he's going to take care of our needs. We don't care what man thinks. We care more about their souls rather than their opinion of us. That's where God wants to take us. So the, so the question that I have to ask myself is, am I a person of courage? my person of boldness when it comes to sharing my faith. In fact, when's the last time I did it? By the way, we don't get brownie points with God for this. But it's certainly an indication of who lives inside of us and who's in control of our life. It's certainly an indication of who we fear more, God, or do we fear man more? I want to fear God more than man. 
I want to come to that place to where, you know what? They might not like what I have to say. I'm going to try to do it in the kindest way. I'm going to try to do it in a, in a way that makes sense, that they can understand. But at the end of the day, I want to love them enough to go ahead and tell them that they need Jesus to repent of their sin and to turn to him. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we repent, Lord, of fearing man's opinion more than fearing you. The Holy Spirit has spoken to hearts here today. You've had opportunity to share your faith. You've had opportunity to go ahead and go for it. You've been here today and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, just kind of tapped you in the shoulder. I want you to say something. You have to confront that you've been paralyzed by fear. It's kept you from speaking up and that person that you are supposed to speak to remains the same. God is looking for people who would be bold in the workplace and praying that God would raise up men and women who are, who are bosses, managers, leaders, be people of courage and boldness, will lead their companies with integrity, will lead with honesty, will lead with character, courage, won't sell out for the bottom dollar. You're here this morning, you said, Pastor, whew, I have been absolutely nailed. I haven't shared my faith. <laughs> it may, some of you, it's been years. It's been years. In fact, your heart for, for people who do not know the Lord, it, 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 that's grown cold. At one time, you used to have, God, use me. But that prayer doesn't even get prayer really anymore. Your heart's grown cold to that which is really important to the Lord. And that's souls. And it will take courage and boldness. For those who say, Pastor, I, I, I'm raising my hand for more of this boldness and courage. Do you know who had their hand raised? They had to pray this way. Rightfully, I can totally understand his name was Paul the Apostle. He had just given a teaching right there in, there in Ephesians 6 about being strong in the Lord and putting on the whole armor of God. And you know what he says right there at the very end when he, when he says put on the full armor of God? He says, and pray for me that I may go ahead and proclaim the gospel fearlessly as I should. He says, I need prayer for this. Why? Because this is a man who went through tremendous persecution, beatings, ridicule, spit upon. Raise your hand if you need a dose of God's courage and boldness. You want to ask Jesus to fill you with his spirit. I want to encourage you here this morning. Just raise your hands. And we're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you see the hands that are filled. Lord, we don't want our lives marked by indifference, fear, cowardness. Lord, your word says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Lord, we want to live that out. We don't want to back down, Lord. No matter what may happen, God, we don't want to back down, Lord. We want to be people that live out of conviction, knowing that you are with us, God, and that you're going to help us and guide us and strengthen us. And God, we pray that you would give us, Lord, the boldness and the courage, Lord, to speak, Lord, unashamedly the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would be able to join with Paul who would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel 
I'm not ashamed to share my faith because it's the good news of God. I pray, Lord, that all of us here in this room, Lord, God would have a heart, Lord, especially for those who don't know you. That, God, that we would have the courage and the boldness, Lord God, and the love, Lord, that we need to approach them. Lord, how are they going to know, Lord, unless someone preaches to them? And, Lord, we make ourselves available to be your preachers, to be your voice. We make ourselves available. God, would you use us? Would you empower us? Would you give us your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we make a decision today. Say this with me. God, I choose to fear you more than man. Help me, Holy Spirit, to learn the fear of the Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Go and be his voice. God bless you. Have a great day. Hope to see you tomorrow night.